You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I'm your host, Gary Harris. I got my main man, Justin Jones, right there in the control room. He's doing all the heavy lifting this morning, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. We're with you in the next couple of hours talking sports and more here on the Big Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, plus the Tide 109 app and Tide109.com. So make sure you got us tuned in this morning as we are ready to go. And you heard there in the Fox Sports update before we went on the air, the uh, crazy Monday night doubleheader last night, two upsets with the Giants beating the Packers. And then uh, we'll talk with Kayla Anderson later this morning on the Titans report about this unbelievable win by the Tennessee Titans. And what a bad loss for the Dolphins. How quickly things can change in the NFL. The Dolphins were cruising, it looked like, to the AFC East. But then the Bills at 6-6 six and six, went into Kansas City, beat the Chiefs. And then the Dolphins last night inexplicably blew a 14-point lead in the final couple of minutes and lost to the Titans in a game that we'll talk a lot about this morning. And uh, just in the NFL, I mean, it's, I say it every week, uh, it's where number 32 can beat number one. They're all professionals and... Um, a lot of, lot of parity, but uh, good show lined up for you this morning. I'm going to run it down for you here in just a second and uh, touch on some topics making news. But first, I need to let you know that this hour of the Gary Harris Show brought to you as always by my friends at Alabama Credit Union. Steve Swafford, the CEO, right through the entire organization, a beacon of financial integrity. Alabama Credit Union is a lot better than a traditional banking institution because you have an opportunity to become a member Join me as a member of the Alabama Credit Union. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com or get by and see them at one of their many locations around the state of Alabama. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for memberships and join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, Justin, this is what we got lined up for today. Drudy Armand, the Rocket Man, will be talking ball with us at 9.30 this morning. Of course, he's the co-host of Talking Ball on 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. Weekday mornings from 7 until 9 with Scott Tyson. Then at 10.15, yes, Kayla Anderson will join us with the Titans report. And, uh, my gosh, last night, Monday night football doubleheader. And you had the, the Giants winning their third in a row, kicking a field goal at the end of the game to beat the Packers after they almost got, um, let that one get away. And that was an upset. But then nothing, the biggest upset of the year in the National Football League was last night down in South Florida where the Tennessee Titans, Justin, they had a good plan. Uh, defensively, I thought they played against two and the Dolphins about as well as anybody has all year. But Will Levis threw an early pick six on an inside screen down at the goal line. Uh, Siler, the defensive tackle, picked it off and, and ran it about five yards for a pick six. And then late in the game when it was 13-13, and the Dolphins' offense had not scored a, a uh, touchdown in the game, uh, the Titans muff a punt. Ask Auburn about that. They muff a punt deep in their own territory. The Dolphins score to go up 20-13. to Next possession, first play from scrimmage 
after the kickoff. And Levis, with a terrible pitch to Derrick Henry, hit off his shoulder pads. Dolphins recover inside the 20. Touchdown again, and it's 27 to 13. At that point, I'm getting ready to go on the air with the sports at WVOA 23. And I'm thinking the game is over. I'm thinking that it's absolutely over. And you saw what happened if you watched the game. I mean, the Titans go down, score a touchdown to make it 27 to 19. They go for two and get the two-point conversion. So if they score again, I guess they're in position to win the game, which obviously is what happened. So it's 27-21. The Dolphins go three and out. Derrick Henry scores his second touchdown of the game. He didn't have a great game statistically in terms of rushing yards, but he got two touchdowns. And it's 28-27, Titans. Dolphins, though, still had some time. But on fourth and about two, Tua got sacked, and that was the ball game. And the Titans won it 28-27. to I mean, inexplicable. And if you're a Titans fan... You're thrilled, even though it's still been, you know, still not been a great year. But if you're a Dolphins fan, Justin, this is one of those where you kind of now are like, oh, oh no, you know, we will, like we were cruising to the AFC East. Now in one weekend, the Bills win when they were an underdog on the road at Kansas City. We lose as a huge home favorite over the Titans. That's a two-game swing, Justin. And now all of a sudden, the Bills are back in this thing. Yeah, and then I think we have some big games in the AFC in that division. The Ravens have to go play the 49ers coming up, I believe. Um, If I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm I'm nervous uh, because the the, the whole rumor is that the Dolphins can't beat good teams. And by by any means, I don't think the Titans were considered a a great team. No, they weren't. And, And that's the thing about the Dolphins. They had beat up on the bad teams. I mean, they were averaging 37 points a game against teams that less were, were less than 500 on the season. And you're right. The question about the Dolphins has always been, can they beat the elite teams? But they had hammered bad teams this year. Well, and, and, and what I think it really... At home, and I, and I got to tell you something. A lot's going to be made of, of you know, the last two, you know, last couple of minutes, obviously. Justin, but you know, the thing about that game was, and, and Tyreek Hill went out with an ankle injury, came back in, but they're off, the Dolphins' offense didn't do much all night, man. That's that's exactly what I was going to get to. I think once Tyreek Hill was out after I think three minutes left in the first quarter, he like you said he eventually came back. That offense runs through him, and you could tell when he was gone, they they struggled to find any sort of production. They didn't run the ball nearly at all in the midfield, which I thought was strange considering A. Chan as good as he's been, and he's back from injury and and Mostert. But yeah, Tyreek Hill is the key to that team, and when he's not on the field, they suffer. Well, it's just, uh, again, it's a reminder of what the NFL is all about. And um, Mike McDaniels, the coach of the Dolphins, said something after the game, and he, I agree with him 100%. I've always felt this way. He said, you can have a good team, you know, feel like you got a good team, know you got a good team, but you got to prove it every week in this league. I mean, there's no, you know, there there are no gimmies, and, um, and, and more so now than ever before because all the leagues, all, all the rules are – slanted toward parity we've talked about this before justin it's it's you know 17 games now instead of 16 prior 14 for that 12 but uh the way they try to set the rules is you know they used to say eight and eight but you know to try to fix it where every team you know is like eight and nine or nine and eight somewhere in that range all about the same and of course that's not going to be the case but it is an example of of what can happen 
And so you can be really good, but it's a week to week deal. And, you know, and things can change so quickly. I mean, you got a Buffalo team that people still feel like is one of the more talented teams in the league. And they were sitting there at six and six. And all of a sudden with the prospect of going to Kansas City, you think they're going to be six and seven and maybe out of the playoff picture completely. They win. And then the Dolphins, who are a 14, you know, point favorite, they lose and it's game on. You know, the 49ers had some injuries and lost three in a row. And now they're back playing probably the best football of anybody in the National Football League. The Eagles, you know, one of the most difficult teams to beat, have lost two in a row. And not just lost two in a row, got hammered by their two major rivals in the NFC, the 49ers at home and then the Cowboys on the road. So it, it, it is a week-to-week proposition. And so much of it is just, you know, it's a tournament. Once you get in the playoffs, as we've seen, um, you just got to get in. And anybody that gets to the playoffs is capable of getting to the Super Bowl. And even in the NFC South, you know, the lead, the division that somebody's got to win, where every team is under 500, because the Falcons couldn't close the door at home over the, over the Bucks, you know, somebody's going to win that division and host a playoff game. So, um, and that's why when you're in a really good division, you know, you look at the Cowboys and the Eagles, Justin, and you look at the NFC South. Well, the NFC South, because it's a division winner, either the Bucks, the Saints, or the Falcons are going to host a playoff game. And either the Cowboys or the Eagles are going to be on the road. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of those teams is going to have to have to travel because they're not going to be the division champions. So, and in the AFC right now, again, it's a week to week deal, but I think you have to look at the Baltimore Ravens. I just think that um, they have that combination of salty defense, terrific special teams. I mean, maybe as good a special teams as there are in the National Football League. Tucker, their kicker. Uh, you know, they won the game against the Rams in overtime on a punt return. Uh, they are just, and, and Lamar Jackson's an X factor. You know, right now I look at the AFC and I look at, at the Ravens maybe as, as the best team. And right now in the NFC, I look at the 49ers. I think Cowboys are playing great. I still think, you know, I've not always been a believer in the 49ers, but you know, just the thing that, that really separates them, I think, in addition to, you know, being really solid in all phases is their wide receivers particularly Samuel, uh, Debo Samuel, but all those guys, they are big, they're physical, they block, they break tackles after the catch. Uh, one of the great trades that we've seen, you know, was the 49ers when they acquired McCaffrey to be the running back. So, you know, but, but that's the way it looks right now. You know, three weeks from now, it may look different, right? Well, and, and like you said, Gary, the, the playoff implications of having to go on the road, the Dolphins, had the chance to stay in Miami in relatively warm weather, but now they're looking at going to Baltimore in December, or sorry, in January for the playoffs. That that's going to be a, a factor. Critical, critical. That, that's the thing about that game last night. The, the Dolphins win that game, and they are, you know, they are the favorite to, to win home field advantage in the AFC. And when you're a warm weather team, and you play in South Florida, and then listen, everybody plays in the same conditions. I get that. But it is different if you, you know, if you're, if you're Buffalo and you're used to, you, you expect to play in that kind of weather every December or Baltimore where it can get really cold or, or any of these. But when you're Miami and you're playing all your home games in warm weather, it's, it's more of a shock to the system to go on the road and have to play in that kind of cold. And for them, um, 
I mean, they had a chance last night to really take the first step toward securing home field advantage throughout the playoffs, and they let it get away. But, again, it, it was a weird game because of the fact that you know the Dolphins are a better team than Titans. But the Titans had a good plan, and, and again, defensively, they just kind of were able to bottle up Miami. They didn't, they didn't, you know, they didn't give up the explosive plays. They didn't give up the, the, you know, 75 yarder. And, and they made the Dolphins earn everything. And the Dolphins had turnovers. They had a field goal block. And, uh, the Titans had all that stuff happen too, but that's the Titans. We know the Titans offense is not elite, but the Dolphins offense is elite. And it's easy to look at the game now and say, well, it was 27-13. There's no business. The Dolphins had no business losing that game, and they didn't. But their offense didn't earn that 27 points. Again, they had Zach Seiler with a with a defensive pick six from the five-yard line. And then at 13-13, they had produced two field goals, and the kid muffs the punt, and that's a gimme touchdown. And then the bad pitch from Levis to Henry, and that's a gimme touchdown. But the offense had not really produced anything. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, even after the Titans took the one-point lead, the Dolphins had time. They had time. Uh, they didn't have any timeouts, but they had, what was it? There was a well over a minute on the clock, wasn't it? I think it was like yeah. around a minute 30, yeah. Yeah. And and once again, though, the offense, they never even got to midfield. You know, they had the, they had the third and, um, what was it, four or whatever, five, and, and they threw it out to A-Chain. He should have taken a loss there for about four or five yards. He made a great play just to get to within about a yard or two of the sticks. And then on fourth and two, they don't even get the pass off. You know, two, it gets sacked, and that's the end of the ball game. So uh, I know we spent a lot of time talking about this game this morning, but it was it was it was crazy, and and we love talking about the NFL here. But it is nine sixteen, so we have got to get to the break. But let me remind you, we've got uh, as I said, Drudy Army coming up. We're going to talk Bama football and basketball at nine thirty. But before that, we're wide open in the next segment for phone calls on the first and main condos hotline at two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. When we come back on the other side too, I'm also going to get into some other topics. Uh, with regards to Alabama football and, um, you know, Ryan Williams, um, transfer portal, all of that stuff on the other side of the break. So you're off and running here with us on the Gary Harris Show. This hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'd love to entertain your phone calls. 205-342-9904. We'll be right back after this. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9 brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Everwood. The official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood, treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama women's basketball picked up another victory on Sunday as the Crimson Tide defeated Samford 69-39. to Head coach Christy Curry met with the media after the win. Just really proud of um, the toughness our kids have shown all week. Um, you know, it's been three games in five days and... Uh, designed that way when you finish the SEC season and then you go right into the SEC tourney, um, how are we going to respond to that? So I thought we tried to put ourselves in a position of a couple of different scenarios that can help prepare us for March. Um, loved who we 
score down the stretch on the boards. I thought we rebounded the ball better. I'm really proud of this one next to me. I mean, I thought she's had two really um, good days, and I thought she stepped up in a big way defensively yesterday. And then good to see her um, today um, be who I know she can be. And I'm really proud for her because she comes to work every single day and is such a team player. So happy for our team, and I um, thought we had a opportunity to really learn a lot about ourselves. I'll have more in a moment. Producing championship quality lumber is not an easy process, but at Everwood Preserving, it's our only process. Wood treated right. Everwood offers top-notch pressure-treated wood for decks, outdoor structures, commercial jobs, and more that you can build your reputation on. When it comes to quality, we're on the winning team. Visit your local Everwood dealer today and discover the difference for yourself. Everwood Preserving Incorporated, the official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. If you missed last night's edition of Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance, catch it on demand on the CTSN YouTube page and the Alabama Insider Podcast. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. It's the holiday mystery sale at JCPenney. How much will you buy? 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Another day of blue sky and sunshine. The high for this afternoon around 56. Clear tonight below 32. Tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days. Highs between 58 and 61. And Friday, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 42 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 941, welcome back into the program. Gary Harris, Justin Jones with you. Your phone calls are welcome on the first of any condominiums hotline at 205-342. 9904. All right, we talked about the NFL in the first segment with Monday Night Football last night. Uh, doubleheader, a couple of upsets, but uh, more football news, too, with Alabama. Ryan Williams yesterday, the Alabama commit for 2025. The top player in the state of Alabama for 2025 is now the top player in the state of Alabama for 2024. He did reclassify or is going to reclassify. He announced that yesterday. So he will sign in February and he will enroll at Alabama if he's stays committed to the Crimson Tide and signs with the Crimson Tide in the summer. Now, I say if because even though he's committed, he won't sign until February and other schools are going to continue to recruit him. My expectation is that he will he will sign with Alabama and he'll team up with Jalen Mbakwe, who he uh, competed against in the Class 6A, that memorable, memorable Class 6A state championship game this past Friday night at Brian Dewey Stadium. And... Um, but he's going to continue to be recruited and recruited hard because uh, Ryan Williams is one of the more gifted high school football players that uh, that I've ever seen. And I've seen some good ones. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say he's the best, but he's in the conversation. Really, he is that he's that special. And uh, now that he's moved up to 2024, if he signs with the Crimson Tide, you can count on an instant impact for him next season. And he's just he's just that good. So, um but you're going to have to, as I said, fend off other uh, other schools, including Auburn, which is um, doing everything they can to try to flip him. He is from a Auburn family. His, diet, his dad played uh, for the Tigers. And just like Antonio Coleman, his teammate, defensive lineman at Sarah Lynn, his dad also played for Auburn as well. He's committed to Alabama. 
But uh, that's that's big news there. We'll, we'll ask you more about that coming up. Also, Anquin Barnes, Alabama defensive lineman, going into the portal. And I'm disappointed to hear this news because I think Anquan Barnes has got a lot of talent. He's he's big. He's 6'5". He's about 315. Came out of Robert E. Lee High School in Montgomery back in the class of 2021. Didn't play in 2021 or 2022. Played a little bit this year. Still has two years of eligibility. He's going to help somebody. I mean, I, I'm convinced that he's a talented player. I've watched him in practice. Uh, he's really big, but he's not, but he's, you know, he's, he's big, but he's put together well. You know, he carries his weight well. And, uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm not a coach, clearly, but I look at Anquin Barnes and I'm just, you know, how in the world have you not managed to get him into the rotation a little bit? You know, how has he managed not to play some snaps? on that defensive line and now you're going to you're going to lose him to the portal but i don't you know in in, in this day and age you know somebody like him um you know some of these guys they come in and you know, don't even give it a chance but you know he spent three years here you know he spent two years not playing at all and he spent this year playing very 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 limited amount of snaps in just a couple of games so somebody like that i can't blame him i mean you know he's only got two years left now he wants to play so, but uh, I, I just have always been, I'm from that old school um, line of thinking that every good, really good championship caliber team I've seen in the SEC has a good defensive line. I just don't, I've seen good teams score a lot of points, uh, win some games, but to be championship caliber, in my opinion, you got to be up front. You got to be good up front on defense. I mean, you've got to be good up front on defense. And Alabama is good up front on defense, but I hate to see them lose uh, a quality defensive line. I mean, this is really two. That's uh, Isaiah Hastings has already announced that he's going into the portal. And now uh, you've got uh, Anquan Barnes uh, reportedly going into the portal as well. And, um, you know, Alabama's still going to bring in more defensive linemen. They've got some good defensive linemen coming back. But this is a guy, again, I always thought had the potential to play here. And for it not to happen, for me, is just a little bit uh, a little bit disappointing. But, hey, listen, this is the portal world that we live in. And uh, did you see, Justin, speaking of the portal, that Dylan Rodella, the quarterback that's uh, been committed to Georgia and is playing over at Buford High School, and moved into the Buford system to play there close to Georgia, is now on flip watch to Nebraska, where his dad played, and I think his uncle may be a coach, maybe the defensive line coach there. Yeah, de- uh, this, defensive line coach. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this is, you know, you've already had Vandergriff, you know, announce that he's transferring to Kentucky, and, you know, I know they got Carson Beck coming back, but this is their top guy. Maybe, you know, some people say the top guy in the country, along with Julian Sand, who's coming to Alabama. And if he flips, all of a sudden they're going to be scrambled to get a quarterback. You know, they got to have, you can't just rely, even though Beck's their guy, you know, you got to have people behind him and their quarterback room is getting a little thin in a hurry if this is, uh, if this holds up. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy now, isn't it? Not just with the portal, but with high school recruiting. And I mean, until you get them signed, and get them on campus, you, you just don't know, do you? I, I I agree. I think Dylan Rayola may be the definition of this uh, 
transfer portal quarterback. I mean, the the guy's been in four different high schools in four yeah. years, and this would be his, if he does eventually flip to Nebraska, this would be his third college that he's committed to. That's so right. it's kind of insane, really. I don't think you would ever think about this maybe 10 years ago or even less than that, just how much things no, you changed. Wouldn't. You wouldn't, and that's that's the real that's the real world that we're in now. Is that this is not being approached anymore by the top prospects? At least, maybe some of them, but for the most part, they're looking at this strictly now as a business decision. Um, I'm not saying that some of them don't want to get an education. I think some of them do, but that's not the primarily the primary thing that they're looking at. You know, they're looking at. Football and... And dollar signs, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, you know, how quickly can I be developed to get to the NFL? And it's... um, I think it is quite funny, though, that the headlines uh, a week or two ago was Matt Rule saying this is how much it costs to get a a good quarterback. And somebody must have paid up, I guess, over there in Nebraska. Well, from what I read yesterday after I saw this story, uh, Nebraska is, they're lining it up now. They they, Listen, they're tired of being bad. I mean, you're not, you know... People in your age category, you don't know really anything other than Nebraska being mediocre. But you know, there was a time when you know they were they were there with with Alabama and and and, and Michigan and and you know USC and Notre Dame and these were the powerhouse schools. And Nebraska was a national championship contender every year. You know, in the sixties, seventies, eighties, through the nineties, early two thousands, and now for you know close to 20 years they've been average and i think they're tired of it you know they've got a print like alabama they got a proud tradition there so i think they're i think they're saying hey man we're going to do what we got to do and getting real would be the first step toward you know making that turn all right it's 9 28 we need to get to the timeout. i do want to remind you that it's holiday time and you men out there that want to look your best all the time not just for the holidays but all the time you need to get by t-town menswear t-town gallery in the university mall at tom and them you know, dress you up for for the holidays and and beyond. Incredible line of menswear. Plus, of course, uh, one of a kind Alabama football memorabilia collection. Everything in the store is for sale, and um, I mean, all the great guy, items that we've given away this year, they all came courtesy of T Town Menswear, T Town Gallery, in the University Mall. So, if you want to look your best, or if you want to get somebody in your life a special piece of Alabama football memorabilia for Christmas, get by and see. The guys at T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. We'll be back with the Rocket Band, Rudy Arman, next right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. It's time to ring in the new year right. Bama, a winner over the Georgia Bulldogs, claiming the SEC title. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. If you need... The best place for your high school football coverage is right here on Tide 100.9. And online on Tide100.9.com. Contributor to different radio shows and podcasts. 
does some writing for TiderInsider.com and joins me on Tuesdays to kick around sports, talking some ball, particularly Alabama football and basketball this morning. How's it going, Drew? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing well. Ryan Williams yesterday, as expected, announcing that he's going to reclassify from 2025 to 2024. He'll sign in February, hopefully with Alabama. That's who he's committed to and has been committed to for uh, 14 months now, since October of last year. But he immediately goes from the top prospect for the state of Alabama in 2025 to the top prospect for the state of Alabama in 2024. Uh, what does this news mean for the Crimson Tide? And do you feel like that... Uh, Ultimately, he will stick with his commitment and join his buddy and Jalen and Bakwe here uh, for Alabama football for the 2024 season. Well, I mean, look, I mean, you, nothing is ever a certainty in recruiting, especially in the NIL era. But I do know that Nick Saban chooses his battles. He chose three last year. He won them all. And uh, Alabama has a really good NIL program. Um, you know, they may not, you know, just – go out and buy an entire football team like Dirt Neck tried to, uh, which ended up being a disaster, a.k.a. Jimbo out of work. Uh, but, you know, uh, of course, he's got $76 million to go away but uh, and sell lie detectors. But, I mean, but, but I don't know. I mean, I, I just think Alabama's done a great job of building a relationship with his entire inner circle. Um, I know that Auburn, you know, even the, their side at first thought he was going to reclassify and flip to Auburn. Uh, but I don't, I never believed he was going to flip to Auburn. Um, I do know they're going to continue to come strong. Uh, but Texas is recruiting him. Sark was in the stadium watching uh, his teammate KJ Lacey, who's committed to Texas. Uh, certainly uh, the word seems to be that he's going to take five official visits. But here's the thing. What they're not saying is he doesn't have to take five. He could take nine. I mean, you, you, they, they don't put a limit anymore on the official visits. But supposedly he told 24-7 Sports, and I did read it, that he was going to visit Alabama officially, even though really he, he's already visited Alabama so many times. But Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, which he's visited several times. He's visited Auburn, uh, you know, a handful of times. Uh, LSU in Texas. Now, I don't think he's visited LSU in Texas uh, very much, and maybe not in Texas at all, because there was thoughts he might even visit USC. Uh, that never uh, materialized because he ended up going to Auburn this fall. But I do think that Alabama is going to prioritize Ryan Williams because they know how important he is. And look, let's not misunderstand something. Now that he's reclassified officially, you know, it's one. Of, it's probably the most talented wide receiver class. It's a senior class in the history of the state of Alabama. When you look at, uh, you know, there's at least, you know, right now five guys that are uh, all, uh, you know, uh, uh, considered high, well six because let me correct myself because Mario Craver of state champion Clay Chogville he committed to Mississippi State yesterday. So there are six receivers in this state. Uh, that are considered SEC level prospects, and four are already committed to Auburn. Perry Uno Thompson of Foley. We know Cam Coleman recently flipped uh, from Texas A&M to Auburn. They already had Malcolm Simmons of Benjamin Russell, and they've got Bryce Kane of Baker. So they're trying to get Ryan Williams. If you just if you if you if you just uh, are paying attention to what I just said, Alabama doesn't have any of those guys because they've gone out of state. They got Rico Scott of Pennsylvania who put up monster numbers, Amari Jefferson, who I think was private school Mr. Football 
for Baylor in Chattanooga in the uh, over in uh, the Baylor School in Chattanooga in Tennessee. He had a monster year. And Alabama would like to add Ryan Williams as the third receiver in the class and then probably uh, go uh, grab somebody out of the portal uh, with Jermaine Burton moving on. So Alabama prioritized Ryan Williams. I think they're going to continue to. And I think Alabama has known for a long time. They knew that he was going to reclassify, so this was no surprise to them. And they also aren't naive to know uh, that other schools are going to continue to recruit him. So they've had him on campus more than any, uh, any, uh, you know, school. He was, he, he spent the entire weekend in Tuscaloosa, even after losing that heartbreaking 6A state title game. And so they've got his teammate, Antonio Coleman, committed as well. So I think they've got a lot of things going in their favor. Now, we'll see if he makes all these visits because Gary, you know, you followed recruiting. A lot of times they announce, I'm going to visit X, Y, and Z, and then that never happens. So we'll see if it does. Uh, I, I know he told AL.com yesterday, the one, he never really announced that he was going to take all these visits. All he said was, I'm still open to the recruiting process. But the one thing I did hear him say is I thought he said he was going to be back in Tuscaloosa this weekend. So that's the one constant. He's been in Tuscaloosa a ton. Uh, so Alabama's going to have to hold off Auburn, but I think they have a lot of things going in their favor. Uh, and again, I think, uh, and I think Jalen Milrose development has also helped this case because this Alabama offense has come a million miles since early in the season. And I'm, and Jalen Milrose is a very, very gregarious, uh, great kind of guy that seems to, people seem to follow. And I'm sure he's going to be, you know, heavily involved in this along with Julian saying. And I just think in the end, while I, there's going to be some angst, I still think this is a recruiting battle that Alabama's not going to lose. Drew, um, speaking of Ryan Williams and Jalen Mbakwe and Craver and Lacey, this past Friday night, this Class 6A state championship game, don't get me wrong, Class 7A game too with, with Thompson and with uh, Central Phoenix City, but that Class 6A state championship game was something else. And, uh, you know, we've seen great high school football in the state of Alabama, but when you looked at Ryan Williams on one side, and you look at Mbakwe on the other side and what he's able to do as a quarterback because that's what gives his team the best chance to win. But two dynamic athletes and to think that they are committed to the same school and it's Alabama and they could be, you know, on this roster in 2024. I think Mbakwe will play corner, but it's not beyond the realm of belief that he's the kind of player you might have played some snaps on offense, even in a place like Alabama. But you get Ryan Williams and you get Mbakwe and you're already Alabama and have the kind of talent they have here, those two guys, man, are difference makers, Drew. They're special. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, look, people have already asked me to compare, like, who does Ryan Williams compare to? Now, I, I will never in my life say that anyone is David Palmer because David Palmer is the most <laughs> unique football player that I probably have ever seen in the state of Alabama. And he's going into the – State Hall of Fame this year, Gary, as you know, he was announced as going into the Alabama State Hall of Fame, and he should. He's he's a guy that could probably play every position on a football team uh, except for offensive line and probably linebacker just because of his size. But every other position David Palmer could play and play well, including quarterback, for those who never had a chance to see him take a snap or throw a football. He was just such a unique weapon. But I think the, the best way for me to say is it's, it's about the impact in the game. 
and David Palmer would you had to account for him no matter where he lined up. And I think David, I think excuse me, Ryan Williams is the same way. I think he's more of a cross between David and his as far as his elusiveness and his ability to make a plays in different spots. That's where I kind of see some David Palmer in him. But I also see some Jalen Waddle because of his explosive speed. Because Jalen Waddle just had unbelievable breakaway speed and quickness. And I think I see kind of a hybrid between, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Williams with David Palmer and Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, he, nobody, I'm not sure anybody's ever going to be as elusive as the Deuce was because he just had such unbelievable lateral quickness. But I do see some make you miss like that. And I see some of the Waddle speed. So he's kind of like a combination of both those guys, but he's a unique talent. I've never seen anybody affect the game the way he did as a sophomore at Sarah Land and carrying them to a state championship and being the run threat and receiver threat that he was. Uh, and so, and then he, he carried it over this year. And certainly, uh, you know, they, he, he, even though they lost the state championship game in heartbreaking fashion, he affected the game uh, with four touchdowns, 232 receiving a short rushing touchdown, and then they, for whatever reason, decided to kick the ball off to him. Uh, and so, and that's where you see some of the Palmer in him because he can affect you so much as a kick returner and waddle. So he's just a unique talent, Gary. And then in Bakwe, uh, what a great kid he is because I think we all understand that either corner or wide receiver, very likely corner is his future. But due to the fact that Clay Chalkville wanted to put the ball in his hands, because guess what? He's their best player. Uh, Drew Gilmer decided to make him the QB. He certainly did that, uh, and and it worked out in spades. He had he had one heck of a season and had one heck of a state championship game and played corner on that last series. Uh, he's just a great player, a great kid, and got a tremendous track speed. And I think both those guys can be leaders in this recruiting class and, and help this Alabama team win more championships because – as you know, there's one thing you can't coach, and that's or two things: athleticism and speed. And both those guys have each of them in spades. No doubt about it. That's a great synopsis. Uh, Drew DeArmond with us here on the program. Uh, speaking of trying to win a championship, that's where Alabama is at again this year under Nick Saban. Uh, one of the final four. Um, we, speaking of Saban, Drew, there's still a lot of stuff floating around out there that if you know if Alabama wins a national championship, he might hang it up or. Might be planning to hang it up anyway. I don't see it. First of all, I think he's too. I think he's too um, much of a planner. Too much of a. Uh, you know, he. I don't think he would just spring this on anybody. And watching him recruit at seventy-two, I mean, he's logging as many miles as any head coach in the country. And I just don't see a guy that's <laughs> planning for an exit. I, I, I'm watching a guy in San Diego yesterday with Julian Say, and I'm watching a guy who's planning to continue this uh, this dynasty and, and building for the future. That's what I'm seeing, Drew. What about you? Well, I mean, all, all I'll say is there's been nobody with any sense that follows the University of Alabama that says he's going to hang it up. I mean, everybody that you hear that coming from is either on a rival message board because he bought some property in Florida or because they're tired of getting their head caved in and their ass whipped and they're praying that he's going to retire, which is probably all the Georgia fans right now, considering that he owns So... You know, I, I would say that's just wishful thinking by a lot of people that don't like Alabama and are and have Alabama fatigue, and there's a lot of them out there. But I do not see Nick Saban retiring, not not at least after this season. 
Now, we'll see what happens, you know, in future years. Uh, I still think he's got plenty of energy left. I can see him coaching until he's 75, 76, even 77 years old if he if he chooses to, if his energy level's good. His energy level seems the same to me. I think he's truly enjoyed coaching this team. And trust me, Gary, if he was planning on retiring, I don't think – here's the way to put it. You know how recruiting has changed with the transfer portal and the early signing period on December 20th. If Nick Saban were retiring, he would have already announced it before this time, and they would be trying to have a new coach hired, and then that new coach being able to recruit the current roster and keep them and try to continue to recruit this roster and this class. I don't see Nick Saban just all of a sudden winning a national championship or playing in a playoff and then saying, okay, guys, I'm done, and walking away after he spent so much time recruiting the players. I, he's not going to lie to the players. He's never lied to players. Uh, he's, he's always put the players first. That's why he recruits at the level he does. So it makes no sense. And so the people that, uh, you know, are saying, well, he may retire, these are the people that want him to leave because he's the greatest coach in the history of the game. Drew, uh, when you look at this Alabama team, as now certainly the players have been able to get a little rest and take finals and, and, you know, do some conditioning, but they'll, they'll crank it up here, uh, for practice in a, in a few days. Um, looking at this matchup against Michigan, you know, what do you see? Uh, what, what do you see as the key, you know, factors for Alabama against the team that hasn't lost this season and is very, very solid and consistent in all phases of the game? Talking about the Michigan Wolverines. Well, they have to stop the run. I mean, it's just like every other big game they've won this year, whether it's Ole Miss, Tennessee, uh, you know, uh, with, when they, when they went on the road to Kentucky, uh, and Kentucky had rushed for 300 uh, plus yards Ray Davis had against the Florida Gators. Uh, but then they stopped, they, they were able to stymie Ray Davis. They have to dominate the box. They have to dominate the line of scrimmage and they have to stop Blake Corum. I mean, period, end of story. They have to uh, contain the Michigan running attack first and foremost. This is a team in Michigan that didn't even throw a pass against Penn State in the second half because they dominated the line of scrimmage. You have to win in the trenches. Uh, and then you've got to get McCarthy off schedule. Uh, you know, you have to sack him. You have to affect him. you got to get him to turn it over. I mean, they have to – defensively, they have to dominate the line of scrimmage. And on the offensive line. Uh, they've got to keep Milrow up, you know, clean. Uh, they've got to give him a, a time to throw. And then Milrow has to be a dual threat. He has to make plays with his legs. Uh, no question about it. I mean, Michigan was able to get after Kyle McCord. They forced McCord into turnovers. Alabama has to win them plus minus. That's the thing that Jalen Milrow has done uh, to improve his level of play, really, uh, since Texas is. Uh, he's done a much, much better job of protecting the football. Uh, since he came back uh, from the sabbatical and missed the South Florida game, Milrow has done a great job. I mean, he's only thrown six interceptions, I think, all year. He has had a couple of fumbles, but for the most part, he has not turned the football over. Uh, and, and that's what he's got to do. He's got to protect the football. Alabama's got to win the plus minus, and they got to stop the run. And then they've got to, you know, establish a running game against Michigan and uh, have some balance because I don't think Alabama is not going to be able to just run the football on the Wolverines. The Wolverines are built to stop the run. They're going to have to make explosive plays, and I think 
the thing, one of the stats I saw is uh, as far as explosive plays this year in the passing game of 25-plus yards or more, I think Alabama's made 40 and Michigan's made four. So that needs to continue. You don't want to give Michigan chunk plays, and then you want to be able to make some explosive plays of your own. So I think Alabama's the faster team. I think they're the more explosive team. But now you have to continue along the lines of, A, uh, you run the ball and stop the run. B, you win the turnover battle. And then also uh, one, one other thing you've got to do that's extremely crucial uh, to me is you have to, uh, you, you know, you, you ha- what you really need to do is, if you're Alabama, is you've got to, you've got to, uh, you know, be explosive yourself. And you've got to – and Milrow has to be sharp. I mean, you have to – he needs to throw the ball better than he did against Georgia because his ball placement wasn't great. He needs to make plays and be a willing runner. If he's a willing runner and he, and he and he's able to be a dual threat against Michigan, I think he could really hurt them because if you look at the Big Ten, Gary, they don't really have a lot of dual threat QBs, and Michigan hasn't played anybody like Alabama. So Georgia tried to spine with two guys. That'll be interesting to see if they kind of emulate that this Michigan or if they do some different things. But I just think overall, if you're Alabama, you've got to run the football, stop the run, win the plus minus, have Milrow be a willing runner. And then probably a fourth thing is defensively, uh, besides stop the run, is you've got to, you've got to be able to pressure, uh, you know, JJ uh, McCarthy. You've got to move, move him off his spot. And I think Alabama, they've been able to do that with pretty much every quarterback they've played against this year. Uh, they didn't do as good a job against Texas of doing it, but if they do that against Michigan, I think they can win the game. All right, Drew, our last couple of minutes, I want to talk about some hoops. Uh, Alabama basketball, this is as challenging a non-conference schedule as I can remember. Um, and in this three-game stretch they're in right now, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. They played Purdue on Saturday in Toronto, who's now number three. They got Creighton this Saturday in Omaha, who's number eight. And then they played number one-ranked Arizona next Wednesday in Phoenix. So... Um, and they played great against Purdue. Had a chance there in that game. But I understand the schedule's tough, and I understand this Alabama team is, is, is a good team, but you still would like to win one of these games. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say otherwise. I mean, it's one thing to play them, but you, you'd like to win one of these three, wouldn't you, Drew? Well, yeah, I think I'd like to see them take one of them. It's going to be very difficult, too. Uh, these teams are all ranked in the top ten of the net rankings. Uh, they're all very, very tough. Uh, basketball teams. I know they played Purdue on a neutral floor, but it was still in Zach Eady's home country. And That's right. Zach played well, um, you know, in Alabama. I thought acquitted themselves well. You can play well in a basketball game and not get the dub. I mean, I saw, I've seen uh, Alabama do that before. Uh, you know, I, and, and again, I saw Huntsville High do it last year when they played in a very high-level game against Baker and LaBaron Phylon in the semifinal of the Huntsville City Classic. And that was a 78-73 type game. And you can play well and just not win. And I thought Alabama did that. Sears had eight threes. I think he scored 35. I think you saw some guys take some steps forward in as far as being good players. Now, the defense still needs work, but Purdue had a lot to do with that. I mean, Eddie got away with a lot, but that's just the way the game was officiated. I thought Alabama still got good enough looks where – they, to win the game, they needed to shoot the three the way they, they, they made 19 shot it well, but they needed to have a game like they did against LSU on the road during the COVID year where they ran Will Wade, uh, you know, out of the gym and won by 30 because they made 23 threes. They had, it's a beat Purdue. They were going to have to make 23, 24, 25 threes and score 100 plus points and win the game. 
They they got good enough looks. It just didn't drop in the second half at times. Uh, I thought they played well though, and now they're just going to have to you know suck it up, play against uh, excuse me Creighton, who's a really good you know Big East team, well coached team. It's going to be a great crowd, but it's a, t- a chance for Alabama to get better. And certainly, uh, I know Alabama's record. We'll, we'll see what it looks like when they get done with a pre-conference. I still think this is going to help them in SEC play, Gary. Uh, I know there's been times where Alabama has played their way out of the NCAA tournament by the end of, uh, you know, non-conference, but this is not one of those years because their schedule is too good. They've played too good of teams. They, they, even that Indiana State team that they beat is a really good team. So they've played a lot of good ball clubs. They don't have any bad losses right now, but you would like to get one of the wins. I, I, I think Creighton is a chance for them to get a win. I will say this, if they shoot it against Creighton the way they did against uh, Purdue, I think they can get a win. But, you know, it's easier said than done. It's Nate Oates wanting to challenge his ball club. It also helps in recruiting. And so I thought they took some steps forward as a team, though, in that uh, loss to, to Purdue. And just hopefully they can build on it coming up on Saturday in Omaha. Yeah, 19 made threes against Purdue. That's uh, usually enough to win a basketball game for you. Hey, great stuff, Drew. I'm up against the clock, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gary. All right, it's 954. We'll take a break and come back and wrap up this hour of the Gary Harris Show right after this. Football is back. And as much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and Three Special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and three vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Tide 100.9, Tuscan. Galusa weather. Another day of blue sky and sunshine. The high for this afternoon around 56. Clear tonight below 32. Tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days. Highs between 58 and 61. And Friday, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 42 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, welcome back in. It's 9.58. It's time to close out this first hour of the Gary Harris Show. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, number one, and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. Hour number two is coming up. Kayla Anderson with the Titans report at 10.15. We'll take some phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline for hour number two. So you keep it uh, tuned in right here to Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Gary Harris and Justin Jones coming back with another hour. The Birmingham TBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. 
Here's Monty Bolaños. Week 14 of the NFL wrapped up with a doubleheader on Monday Night Football. Tommy DeVito led the Giants to their third victory in a row, beating the Green Bay Packers 24-22. to Giants improved to 5-8, and eight and the Packers fall to 6-7. and seven. And then it was the Tennessee Titans who were down by 14 points to the Miami Dolphins with less than three minutes left in the game and pulled off their first road win of the season, coming out on top 28-27. to 27. It was a legitimate team loss. I think everybody had their hand in it. Um, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think people uh, went through the motions during the week. It was a really, really good week of practice, I thought. That was Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel. And Miami wide receiver Tyreek Hill suffered an ankle injury in the first quarter and missed a large part of the game. He just finished with four receptions and 61 yards. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. In a unanimous resolution, the Northport City Council has voted to offer Kentuck Park to the Kentuck Festival of the Arts on a one-year, free-of-charge basis, identical to the past festival. The Northport Community Center and adjacent park will stay as is. A plan to develop an apartments and a coffee shop has been rescinded. And fall graduation at the University of Alabama is set for Saturday. Some 1,800 degrees will be awarded. Shelton State will conduct their fall graduation on Friday. It will be at the Martin Campus on O'Greenboro Road. For the latest local news in Tuscaloosa. Hey, Bama Sports Updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go, everybody. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WCBC. I'm your host, Gary Harris. My main man, Justin Jones, is doing all the real work there in the control room, taking your phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. And uh, we, are, uh, we are ready to go for this hour. Before we do anything else, though, I do need to let you know this hour of the program being brought to you by my good friends Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. Patterson Comer, attorneys at law, personal injury attorneys with their feet on the ground right here in West Alabama. That's important, folks. Uh, if you... Come to an agreement with Patterson Comer. They're going to see you through all the way, face-to-face, not just on a phone line and just try to settle at the first available opportunity. They're going to be with you all the way to make sure that you get what you deserve. That's Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law, Paul Patterson in Tuscaloosa, Mike Comer in Northport. Find out more at PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, in this hour, we've got uh, the Titans report coming up next with uh, Kayla Anderson at 10-15. Unbelievable game last night as Tennessee scored uh, a couple of touchdowns and a two-point conversion, and they were, they trolled 27-13 to with three minutes to go in the game, and they won the game, 28-27. to So we'll break it all down with Kayla Anderson. Your phone calls are welcome on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904. Justin just uh, gave me some breaking news. Not unexpected, but still a big, big pickup for Notre Dame in the portal as they get uh, Alabama native 
and former Duke quarterback Riley Leonard uh, has announced that he is going to transfer to Notre Dame. They needed a quarterback for next season, Justin, and they found a good one. Big, physical, strong arm, good with his legs, uh, has played a lot of football at this level. And uh, just like last year when Notre Dame brought in Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, they now bring in another ACC quarterback in Riley Leonard, uh, the former Fairhope star from Duke. Yeah, I think he was – Riley Leonard's been at the top of a lot of people's list as the uh, – weird to say, but kind of the number one free agent, if you will, um, here in the <laughs> portal era. Um, big pickup for Notre Dame. I'm I'm thinking they're going to try to do the same thing that they did with Sam Hartman. They found a lot of success this year, played some good football. I think particularly they had chances against Ohio State and um, some other big games that they played in this season. So plug and play, I guess. I think Riley Leonard's good enough that he'll fit right in. Yeah, so that's just the world that we live in now. As I was talking about it in the first hour. Uh, you recruit quarterbacks in high school still, but many times uh, you're short a quarterback, and they, you know, you don't have to play the game the way you used to have to play the game. And what I mean by that is, in, in years past, these programs, if they were short a quarterback, they were just short a quarterback. They were stuck. If they didn't have somebody on the roster that was able to play the position or have a freshman come in, even when you got a transfer quarterback, that quarterback had to sit out a year. So there were often times that quarterbacks or other programs found themselves quarterbacks short. That's not necessarily the case anymore. Even if you're a, you know, it sets up where you don't have a quarterback coming back that you believe can play the position, you can go out and get one. And you can go out and get a proven commodity, very much like we've talked about, NFL free agency, except, except it's completely unrestricted. All right, I'm a so-and-so major program. All right, I've got a I've got a quarterback that's graduating. I don't have a quarterback on my roster that I feel like is going to be good enough or be ready. Obviously, we're bringing in a kid out of the high school ranks. We don't think he's ready. But you know what? Here's a quarterback that played three years at this school. Here's a quarterback that played two years at this school. Here's a quarterback who just threw for third, you know, for three thousand yards and twenty-five touchdowns at this school. And they are all in the portal ready to go. They are experienced. They are proven. And they are talented. And they are available. And we can go out and we can sign one of these quarterbacks if they choose to come to our school. We can offer money if we want to do that. It's all legal. And we don't have to give up anything. We don't have to give up a player. We don't have to give up a draft pick because there are no draft picks. You know, we don't have to. This is completely unrestricted free agency. And it is unlike anything that we've ever seen in the history of college football. And now the reality is starting to resonate with people that quarterback recruiting is going to be completely different than it's been in the past. Now, Alabama is an outlier. Now, yeah, there have been players at other positions, but Alabama has not had to start a portal quarterback other than Tyler Butner for one game against South Florida, and he played one half. But they have developed their own quarterbacks, and looks like that's going to continue. Now that Milrose established himself as a starter, he comes back. He'll be obviously the starter next year, but they've still got Ty Simpson. They're bringing in Julian Sand. 
They've got two talented freshmen on the team right now, and Dylan Lonergan and Eli Holstein. So Alabama is still signing quarterbacks and developing them. But even Alabama at some point might have to go into the portal and get a quarterback. I mean, they did this year with Buckner. It just didn't work out that he was better than the quarterbacks that they already have. Let's jump out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Tom. Hey, good morning, Tom. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Doing, doing great. Good. You know, uh, the conversation that you just brought up is, uh, is interesting because, you know, I think Coach Saban is one of his uh, recruiting methods for some time, not just this year, but for some time on the uh, players that come in and, uh, you know, are worried about playing right away and this, that, and the other. And uh, he's got a couple of things that's interesting to me on on that aspect. And is, you know, you're not going to find better competition than what you're going to practice against at Alabama. That's A. And then uh, a B, I'm not going to put you out there on display for people to see if you're not ready. I'm going to get you ready, and then when you get out there, you're going to look like you're ready, and you're going to look like something of value to people that are looking for players. And I think that is so uh, good on, on Coach Saban's uh, part to do that. And, and uh, uh, so so many people's career gets derailed because they just frankly aren't ready uh, for for the show. And uh, and and he and and especially with quarterbacks, I, I think it's very important that they consider, you know, the level of competition they're going up against every day. And then when they get in the game, it's going to be easier. I agree 100%. There's no doubt about it. And uh, it is just time. It's, it's... Point. I think that's a front to your point about developing quarterbacks. Yeah. I, I, I still I listen. I still think point. there is room in the game. For developing your own players. I just think that there's very few programs that are going to approach it that way. I, I think that Alabama, Georgia, some of the top programs are still primarily going to say, hey, listen, we're going to sign high school players and we're going to develop them and we're going to build traditionally and we're going to use the portal just as a, you know, player here or there, fill gaps. We're not going to use the portal as our main means of recruiting, but you're going to have other schools. And I said this last year, Tom, you'll remember me saying this. Schools that had never had an opportunity to sign these type of players out of high school now get an opportunity to sign them the second time around. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, if you're if you're one of these schools that doesn't recruit at the elite level and a lot of these guys that would never look at you coming out of high school, now when they're ready to go in the portal, what are they doing? They're looking where they can go play right now. And a school that maybe they didn't consider out of high school has an opportunity and an opening at the quarterback position, and that school winds up getting that player the second time around. And you're going to have a lot of these programs that they're going to primarily recruit the portal. I mean, they're going to recruit probably and sign as many players that play for them. I'm not talking about total roster, but I'm talking about if you look at some of these schools in the future, if you've got 22 starters plus two specialists, that's 24 players, um, you're going to see some of these teams, I guarantee you, half of their starters are going to be from the portal. They're going to be look at they're going to be guys that they sign the second time around. Look at the Heisman finalists uh, this past weekend. 
All transfer quarterbacks, except for the yeah, all, all three of the quarterbacks were transferred. And, and, all three. This, this, that's that's what this this to the point that it's more than one way to skin the cat, right? But when you look at the top twelve teams uh, in the that would would have been in the playoff picture had the playoffs been expanded. You got you got several teams in there that would have a shot at winning this thing. Uh, if they were in the playoffs, and the reason they got a shot is because of NIL and transfer portal. Yeah, no doubt about it. No, no doubt about it. It's uh, it's just it's just changed the game. And and I'll I'll continue to say this time. I don't know who can do what because that's the thing I've always said as well. You've heard me say this when everybody says, "Well, we got to do something." Well, who's going to do what? But at some point, we got to find somebody who can do something to at least. Reel this in to some degree and, and have some type of restriction. I mean, because it's just out of control right now. I don't think we know anymore when we see a player's you know name pop up and it says sophomore. We're like, well, that doesn't mean anything. The, the guy may still have four year, years of eligibility. I mean, we've got guys playing six or seven years. We've got players transferring four or five times. I keep hearing, well, you can't transfer unless this happens, but I haven't seen any restrictions. I haven't heard of anybody being ineligible. You know, half these kids transfer so much, you're wondering when do they ever, you know, how do they keep a curriculum up? How do they stay eligible? But that's never a factor. I mean, it's almost, it is like we talked about, it's almost just pay for play now in, in school and regular uh, educational curriculum just seem to be in the background. Hey, got to go, Tom. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, uh... All right, 10-14. We got to take a break and come back with uh, Kayla Anderson with the Tennessee Titans report. Lots to talk about for sure after that game last night against the Dolphins. That's next here on the Gary Harris Show. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. At Patterson Comer's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205 562 3201 Old Colony is operated by Para. Briscoe's has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen televisions so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another day of blue sky and sunshine. The high for this afternoon around 56. Clear tonight below 32. Tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days. Highs between 58 and 61. And Friday, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 47 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9. 10 18, it's time for the Tennessee Titans report with Kayla Anderson from Ramon, Kayla, and Will, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. And uh, boy, what a game last night. Good morning, Kayla. How are you? Hey, good morning, Gary and folks. Yeah, it it was quite the thriller and kept a lot of us 
up past our bedtimes. And heck, some people <laughs> even went to bed uh, and woke up this morning and said, my goodness, did that really happen? But what a what a thrilling game. Yeah, I think when it got to 27-13 there, there were a lot of people who just went ahead and turned off the TV. Of course, I'm getting ready to do the 10 o'clock sports, and I go out to the set, and it's 27-13, and I'm thinking the game's over, and then I come back in uh, and, and see you know see the end of it. Un- unbelievable. Um, of course, I was texting you during the game thinking, you know, it's just time to uh, just blow this organization up and start over because it was, I mean, it, you know, it was just all the, the things that we've seen from the Titans. Defensively, they had a great plan. Let's start there. Um, you know, they didn't give up the huge chunk plays. They kept everything in front of them. They gave themselves a chance to win. But then, you know, they shot themselves on the foot offensively. The, the pick six to Tyler, the defensive lineman, on an inside screen. And then 13-13, you muff a punt. Uh, then uh, Levis with a bad pitch to Henry off his shoulder pads. And next thing you know, a great defensive effort and a good plan. Just looks like it's going to go for not. And that's when it just happened. I mean, it's not going to change the fact that this team's not going to go to the playoffs. It's not going to change the fact that this team is going to be looking to the future. But it just for one night gave Tennessee Titans fans something to poke their chest out about. What an amazing comeback. Yeah, it did. And it might not do a lot in terms of this year, but I will say this, Gary. It does a lot in terms of what they can continue to start, or start I should say, to build off of for the years to come with these young players. And that includes a lot of rookies that were able to contribute last night. When you talk about the game that Will Levis had and his future in the organization, when you talk about Tajay Spears, these are building blocks that are getting in-game real-life experience as rookies who are the future for this organization. And I think it's important whether you're going to the playoffs or not, to be able to find ways to win these types of games um, that nobody thought they had a chance in winning and building a little confidence in these players. So, yeah, I thought all around it, you know, it was a good game plan specifically on the defensive side of the ball, because you knew what this team was going to be facing in Tyreek and company. And I know Tyreek Hill came out of the game. He did come back in. He wasn't as effective, obviously, after that ankle injury, However, that's still a Dolphins team that is loaded with weapons. And so I'm not going to make any excuses um, for the Dolphins. I think the Titans found a way to win that game. It was gritty. Uh, It wasn't pretty at times. You talk about the mistakes. They made those. Not a lot of times do teams win those games. But the effort with the offense coming back in the end to respond with Will Levis and the way he took them on those two drives, and then the way they finished it, because Miami had time. They had time sure did. to win that game. And the defense has not done that this year, where they have been able to hold it together. And when you saw that happen last night and Harold Landry do what he did, and he's kind of been a guy that has not produced a lot this year coming off that ACL last year, to me, like that is what an incredible team win looks like. And Will Levis said it on the broadcast afterward. He said, that gives us confidence. That win gives us confidence. Speaking of Levis, uh, because he's a rookie, and at last night at times, I mean, you know, he just didn't look good. But you see the toughness. You see the physicality that not many quarterbacks play with and, and the ability to rally a team and make plays. I mean, he makes plays. And, and that's something that the Titans have, 
needed at quarterback, and they seem to have finally found it. And a guy that, you know, can maybe sometimes flounder around, but he's got playmaking ability, and he's not afraid of the moment. I mean, he he's always dialed in believing that he can make plays, and last night down the stretch he did. It was a, a huge moment for him, too, as the quarterback of this franchise. And that is what Titans fans have been really asking for in a franchise quarterback is somebody who's not only going to go on the field and get it done, but somebody who can kind of rally the troops, who is more of that vocal, you know, passionate kind of leader and no knock against Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill, who have been the recent quarterbacks of this franchise, but they just weren't those types of quarterbacks. It wasn't easy at times for them to kind of rally the troops, and it was hard sometimes for fans to connect because they were more of a quiet, you know, leader. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that doesn't get the job done. And on a team that is kind of based around a Mike Brable personality, that tough, gritty personality, it just feels like Will Levis is that type of quarterback that you expect to be in this offense. And, look, he still has plenty of room to grow. But what I like about him is when he's put in situations like he was last night, you kind of feel like he's going to give you a chance to win the game. And I can say most recently, at least with Tannehill, I haven't felt that way. Right. When it comes down to, you know, winning games in those final drives. And he knows how to separate it. Like he's passionate on a good play or after a touchdown or he's mad on a bad play but he leaves it on the sideline and he gets back out there and he's just all about business. So I think it's something that's going to be exciting for Titans fans also moving forward, that they have a quarterback that has passion behind what he's doing and he's not afraid to show it. Um, He's just got to be careful with the, the hits that he might be either putting on others or taking because you want him to stay healthy. Uh, We saw what happened with Anthony Richardson, his rookie season, you don't want to see that. You want him to preserve his body, and that's something he's going to have to learn quickly. The other side of this, Kayla, is a horrible loss for the Dolphins. One thing the Dolphins had done this year is they had beat up on bad teams. The question about them is can they can they beat the elite teams? But they had uh, they had just rolled over bad teams. I think the expectation last night was, you know, will they score 50? And it's a reminder that the NFL, 1 through 32, anybody can beat anybody. But going into the weekend, you've got the Bills at 6-6, six and six, playing at Kansas City as an underdog. The Bills win. The Dolphins, as a huge favorite at home, lose. And now Dolphins fans are, are like, okay, this is why we're the Dolphins. We, you know, All of a sudden, the AFC East is up for grabs again. They were closing in on you know, a uh, chance to have home field throughout the playoffs, which is vital to a warm-weather team. And now all of a sudden – Boom! It's in in one night or one weekend. It's it's kind of blown up for Miami. They can still get it done, but uh, now they're going to have to work. They absolutely are. I mean, nothing is given in this league, and you said it. Anything can happen on any given Sunday or Monday, like it was last night, because we've seen it time and time again throughout the season. We've seen some crazy, weird games. I mean, just this past weekend alone was wild with some of the games. I mean, the Monday night football game. It wasn't the Titans last night. Between the, twi- the, t- the Giants and the Packers um, was wild with how that one ended. And so for the Miami Dolphins, if, if they want to win a Super Bowl and their window right now is open, but it will close soon. Mike mm-hmm. Daniels has got to get this team 
figuring out how to play that consistent football, no matter if it's against a bad team or a good team. And you said they've been blowing out these bad teams. Well, this is the time it matters the most, and they weren't able to do that at home. Where Gary, might I add, they were 5-0 and this season. The Titans were 0-6 on the road. That's right. And it was something that you just you cannot do if you want to be a Super Bowl team this year or just a team that's going to have home field advantage. Um, so, look, they've got the Jets. Who the Jets just uh, shocked the Texans, right, At, in, in, obviously, New York. But then you've got, for Miami this is, the Ravens, the Bills. Those aren't easy games. And the Bills still have a chance to kind of come back in and sneak up on everybody. No doubt about it. I mean, it's just it's just crazy, and it's just it's going to be wild down the stretch for the Titans now. And I know we got to get you out of here in a couple of minutes, but for them, as you said, this is momentum. It's a chance maybe to finish this season and and take this into the into the draft in the off season and be ready for twenty twenty four. I get the sense that you feel like that is something this team can do that they can do some things to finish this season that will carry over to next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and right now, I think people have accepted, Titans fans have accepted the fact that, you know what, we're not going to go to the playoffs probably this year. Um, while I do feel like they have a chance of beating Houston next, this next weekend and even Seattle the weekend after they're hosting both those teams, uh, I think you accept the fact that, okay, this is what it is. We are and continue to be in rebuild mode. But at least now you have the quarterback. I think that that's kind of the thought here moving forward. You have your quarterback, and now you say, okay, what do we need next that's going to help out the quarterback moving forward, right? And clearly the offensive line is something you look at, but now they've got a guy in Jalen Duncan who is a six-round pick who is at the left side. He's playing okay, and he continues to get better. And in my opinion, if he builds that chemistry with the other rookie, uh, the left guard, Peter Skronsky, that could be your future, and that could help you out a lot because then maybe you go and choose to take a corner, which they really, really need for the future defensively, um, or a wide receiver that gives you speed. You can now start to kind of pick the things you really need because you've got that quarterback of the future, which everybody wants, the young guy now, right, who can be cheap for a minute. Um, so I think there is positivity with, with this franchise moving forward it might not happen overnight but I think it's headed in the right direction with a head coach who can still coach despite what people wanted to say this year um, and a GM who I feel like they're on the same page with what they want this team to be and you're seeing it with how their rookie uh, class is contributing this year all right uh, just 30 seconds and then uh, I'm going to ask you about the, the situation with the weather over the weekend but Derrick Henry is he I know he loves being a Titan. He's still the face of that franchise. Uh, any chance that he's back next year, in your opinion? We talked about this actually a lot today on our show, Ramon, Kale, and Will. And there is a lot of us and media folks and then a lot of fans who, you know, would like to see him back because I think not a lot of players have the opportunity to retire in the jersey that they came in in. And I know Derrick Henry would probably like that as well, but is he okay with his role maybe diminishing from maybe him not being the feature back and more so a guy that you use in those red zone situations, which might I add, 
he continues to be so effective at and has really helped the Titans out the last few games because he's been effective down there and they've not been great in the red zone until recently. So is he okay to accept that role? And what are they willing to give him money-wise? Is somebody else willing to give him a little more and maybe his role is bigger? So I think it's really still up for grabs. I think it wouldn't be the worst thing to have him here if he knows maybe he's not going to have that same role moving forward. But I think it's a flip of a coin right now. I think that's the the message we're getting from so many different people here uh, is they want to move forward this offense. They want to get faster. But, hey, if you have Henry and he's okay with being that guy who you use in certain situations, maybe they make it work. Be interesting for sure. And then just finally, uh, severe weather came through tornadoes through Middle Tennessee over the weekend. How's everybody doing? Good. Um, it, look, this has been I, this has been a tough stretch really since I've been here for the last seven years. That when it comes to severe weather and you know the tornado that hit before the pandemic was absolutely just just awful, um, and you know flattened so many areas around Nashville. And then we had the one this last weekend hitting Hendersonville, a lot uh, a little bit more north of Nashville, but right here, right, um, and just devastating neighborhoods and. Um, you know, obviously six lives were lost. And so there is one thing I know about Tennessee is they come together and they help out in any way possible. And so the recovery effort is already underway. And um, I just know one thing about Middle Tennessee is they're always going to uh, lend a helping hand. So I think that's the positive you take out of it. But um, nothing can even describe just the devastation for those who, who lost so much in that. All right, Kayla, and uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at Kayla Anderson TV on Twitter slash X. I still call it Twitter. Um, and then you can actually check our podcast out. It's at Ramon and Kayla and Will on any of the uh, platforms that you get your podcast. So check it out. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. All right, 10.33, we'll get to the break. And uh, before we do that, I do want to tell you the YMCA of Tuscaloosa, that brand-new cardio equipment is in, and it is incredible. It is such a pleasure to work out on those treadmills and those uh, those bicycles and, and those Stairmasters. It's just, uh, man, it's unbelievable. And you can watch the television on your own device. You can, you know, get on the Internet, do whatever you want to do. If you're sitting there on the – on the bicycle and you want to, you know, do an hour, man, you can just watch a TV show while you're doing it. It's really, really cool. Get by and check it out. All the great things the YMCA has to offer. 2313th Street downtown in Tuscaloosa. All right, we'll be back. We're wide open the rest of the show. Phone calls are welcome on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904. We'd love to hear from you. It's kind of wide open the rest, uh, the rest of the program. So uh, give us a call if you'd like and uh, talk about whatever you want to talk about. We'll be back after this. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1037, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC. Download that app, Tide 109 app. That's probably the best way to get us. And also you can listen to the live stream on Tide109.com. All right, Noah Haynes is checking in as uh, Justin Jones had to go get the old uh, 
He's checked out. He's got a dental appointment this morning, so he ducked out a little bit early, but Noah's with us the rest of the way. He can Woo. take your phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. Uh, our thanks to Kayla Anderson, as always, for the Tennessee Titans report. Unbelievable win last night for the Tennessee Titans. All right, I had somebody uh, shoot me a text and said, uh, you know, what do you think? You were talking about the portal. said, what do you think uh, is going to happen with Alabama as far as portal additions this year? I have no idea at this point. I really don't, simply because uh, I know there's been several players, including Anquin Barnes, we talked about this morning, the defensive lineman out of Montgomery, go into the portal. But I don't know what Alabama is going to do, because right now Alabama's focus is more on um, trying to win a national championship. And they're not really in portal uh, addition mode. So there are, there are some teams that their season is over or they're not playing in a major bowl game. Yeah, they're, they're shopping the portal hard. Again, we heard the news this morning, former Fairhope star Riley Leonard leaving Duke to join Notre Dame. And um, we will, you know, see some other quarterbacks, you know, Cam Ward, Washington State, there's many that uh, are out there that are high-profile players that are going to be looking for a place to land. Uh, as I said, though, Alabama doesn't seem to be uh, in the in the market for a quarterback uh, from the portal and what other positions they might look to um, find. I don't know because, again, I think the focus strictly for Nick Saban right now is high school recruiting during the break, and then once they start preparations for the Rose Bowl, then the focus will be completely on playing that game. So it's a great question, but at this point, it's one that I'm not sure that I can really answer. And I think that Alabama's roster is so strong going forward for next season that whether or not they dip into the portal could depend a lot on who leaves for the NFL and who comes back. So right now, I think for Alabama, it's it's um, the portal secondary as far as what they're going to do as far as their roster is concerned. All right, let's jump out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, and that's where we find the Cowboy. What's up, Cowboy? How you doing, Gary? Doing great. Hey, I heard you talking with Drew about uh, Nick Saban in San Diego. Is that a Twitter or something? I'd be kind of neat to see him out there with the jury. Yeah, I, uh, he was out there with uh, Julian Sayan and his family yesterday, and the Saiyan family posted a picture saying that Julian posted a picture on his Twitter. And then I, uh, I retweeted it and I put it out on my Facebook page too. Just talking about Saban, you know, I said, this doesn't like a guy that's, that's ready to retire. I mean, the miles that he's logging and the recruiting that he's doing, but, uh, but yeah, they, that's one of the big things too with, with coaching, uh, during this, this time when they can get on the road is not just visiting guys that are, that they're trying to get to come to Alabama, but, recruiting guys that have already committed to Alabama and trying to sure up those commitments. And Saban has been doing a lot of that uh, this past week or so. I'm, I'm sure I'm the number one Julian Saban fanboy out there. So, I'll, I'll... <laughs> Well, he's he's a talented kid, man. And, um, Woo! again, I, I understand what the portal provides now, like we said. It gives you a chance, um, if you don't have a quarterback, to go out and get a college-ready quarterback, a guy who's proven it, as we talked about, the three finalists, uh, along with Marvin Harrison, were all transfer quarterbacks, including the winner, Jaden Daniels. But I still think, I still think there's value in recruiting quarterbacks out of high school, developing them into your culture and your system and playing that way too. I, I think, you know, if, 
You know, the one thing about the portal, too, Cowboy, that I don't really care for is, like I said, it gives programs who can't develop their own players. <laughs> you know, it, it gives these, these programs that don't do well developing their own players and a chance to go out and get players that somebody else has developed. You know what I mean? Nope. It really does. Hey, how would you like to be Riley Leonard? You're going to have a degree from Duke and Notre Dame. You think he'll think he can be uh, in a top-notch business one day if he doesn't make it in the NFL? <laughs> well, I think he'll make it in the NFL. Maybe not, maybe not necessarily as a starter, but I think he'll be on a roster. I mean, he's he's a he's a big, strong, physical kid. It's a great pickup for Notre Dame, just like last year when they brought in Hartman from Wake Forest. Here they go again. You know, they have the alliance with the ACC, and they're and they're fucking all the ACC quarterbacks away from those teams. Right. But again, you know, if you're if you're Riley Leonard, you can't really blame him. I mean, your coach Mike Elko leaves to go to A and M. So you're kind of in a start-over mode. You've developed yourself and and performed well enough that you got schools from all over the country with you know wanting you to come play for them. And now you go play for. Uh, I know they're not they, they're not great right now, but Notre Dame is one of the all-time football schools. It's there with Alabama and Michigan and and uh, you know Penn State and Ohio State and USC. It's a it, Texas. It's a true blue blood program. Maybe the truest of blue bloods, and you know I can't blame Riley Leonard, but you're right. I mean, you you get a degree from Duke, and now you get to go play for Notre Dame. Shoot, man, that's a that's a that's a dynamic combination. But you know, you're looking at Notre Dame too. That's the thing about the portal. And again, if people are fine with it, that's that's cool. But I think you're going to see core programs that that's just all they they do, because once you start, once you go down that portal, and like you got Hartman for a year. Now you're getting Leonard for a year or two. What you do is you quit kind of, like I said, developing your own guys, and you don't ever have anybody ready. So every year you need a quarterback. You're like, well, let's go into the portal and get a quarterback. I mean, you, you can become – it can become the only way that you get your quarterback. And I think that's unfortunate. But It's like Major League Baseball. You need a left-handed pitcher. You go find Yeah, very much so. It's very much like, it's very much like Major League Baseball now is that, you know, the minor league system – you know, for years, that's how play. You know, you you brought up players, you developed them yourself. But now, a lot of these clubs, uh-uh. they they trade. They're trading top prospects all the time for for proven guys, or like you said, through free agency. And that's kind of where we're at in college football now. You're going to see less and less homegrown talent, as they say. You know what I mean? I mean, it'll be interesting next year, uh, and we can do it in the SEC even. So to look at how many quarterbacks in the SEC out of the starting 16 or this year, the past uh, year, four, starting 14. Four portal quarterbacks. Let's we could do it almost this year, Cowboy. Let's look back at this past season. Let's start in the SEC West. A and M wound up starting a portal quarterback in in Brad Johnson's son. All right, LSU started a portal quarterback. He won the Heisman. Arkansas started their own guy, but now he's in the portal. Alabama started their own guy. Auburn started a portal quarterback. Mississippi State started their own guy. Ole Miss started a portal quarterback. In the East, yes. Georgia started their own guy. Florida started a portal quarterback. South Carolina started a portal quarterback. Kentucky started a portal quarterback. Vandy, did they start their own guy? Or was he a portal guy? I think Vandy might have started their own guy. I can't, I can't even tell you, you know, because they were so bad. That was portal quarterback. Okay, so you had more. You had more portal quarterbacks. Missouri, you know, Missouri started their. He was their own guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think they signed their quarterback, but I think that is at least half, if not more. This past year of the SEC 14 starting quarterbacks, more of them were probably from the portal 
than were signed by that school out of high school. That's crazy to me. Yeah, it's wild. Just go look at the portal. Just get on the list and look at the names on there, man. There's some there's some players on there, you know. Get oh them. heck yeah, there are. And now you got yep. you know because of the portal and the NIL, you got guys now who are you know decommitting and flipping to other schools even before even before they sign with their school. I mean, it's like Rayola now from you know who moved down to Buf- moved to Buford, Georgia. To be right there in Georgia's backyard, and now it looks like he's playing on one in Nebraska. So it's I, it's not even with guys. And all along, Gary, I thought that would happen all along. You know, Matt Rule said the going rate for a portal quarterback was, you know, one to two million. So he just made the going rate for Raola be that. Yeah, well, what he did. It's Listen, I said this earlier on the program. Nebraska is a proud program, man. As you know, you and I are the same age, so we know. I mean, some of these kids yeah. in their twenties, they just think Nebraska's always been bad. And I'm like, no, no, Nebraska was right there with Alabama and with Michigan Ooh. and with Notre Dame. I mean, they expected to win a national championship and compete for it every year in the sixties and the seventies and the eighties and the nineties and then the early two thousands. And they're tired of being bad. So I think they probably have finally said, Listen, we here you know, we have got to do what we got to do, and we got to get in the portal, and we got to get NIL money. You know, they were the program that they were. Remember, they were legendary for how they handled their walk-on program. You know, they would get those those offensive linemen in there, and they would they would get them to walk on, but then they would find a way, I guess, through uh, aid and 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 Pell grants or whatever it was. And the joke was that you know you had 85 scholarship players, unless you were Nebraska, then you about had a had about 115. And so uh, now they're yeah. you know they're behind. And they want to, uh, um, you know, they want to catch up. So the portal's a way to do it. Oh, sure. Hey, Jerry, your girl on the Titan Report's going to be dancing a jig tomorrow whenever you have her on after they beat the Dolphins. Man, Gary, I, I'm, I've gone in the tank on my NFL pick, and I, these upsets, I can't pick them no more. I mean, it's a logical pick. Well, uh, we actually, she was on earlier today, Cowboy, and that's exactly what we yeah. talked about, man. It's another reminder that in the NFL – you know, uh, Mike McDaniel said something after the game last night, Cowboy, that is so true. He said, you can, you can think you have a good team and you, and you can know you have a good team, but you got to prove it every week, man. It, it's a week to week endeavor. You're talking about the Dolphins. Think about this. Going into the weekend, they were cruising, man. And they, you know, the, the Bills were six and six, an underdog at Kansas City. They were a, you know, this is the biggest upset in the NFL this year in terms of point spread. And you're thinking, you know, they're going to go ahead and pretty much clinch, uh, well, clinch a playoff spot with a win and clinch the division and have a chance to get best record. Then the Bills win in a crazy game in Kansas City, and then they shockingly lose to the Titans. And now, you know, it's it's week to week. You know, I was talking to somebody, you know, we're talking about the best teams right now. I said, well, in the NFC right now, I'd take the 49ers. And, and the Cowboys probably stuck it. The Eagles have gotten blitzed the last couple of weeks. But two weeks from now, it might look completely different. In the AFC right now, I'd probably take the Ravens. But who knows, man? You know, it, yeah. it really is week to week, Cowboy. But that was a bad loss for the Miami Dolphins last night. And what's so weird about it, you know, they have been so, you know, their question has always been, you and I have talked about it, um, is, can, you know, can they, beat the, can they beat the elite teams? But they have pounded the bad teams, man. Pounded them. And, you know, last night, even before they lost that game, the Titans defensively, they, they, they didn't allow the Dolphins to get going offensively. Remember they had the, 
Zach Siler had the pick six on the inside screen. They didn't score an offensive touchdown in the game until after the muff punt. Right. It, it was a very it was a very underwhelming performance by the Dolphins offense. And I know Ty, Tyreek Hill had his ankle banged up, but I don't. I just don't. You you know you could not have seen that coming. In fact, I was because I love Derrick Henry. You know that. I was thinking, my gosh, man. I mean, this is the Titans are going to get blitzed by about forty or fifty in this game. And it's just going to be go ahead and just I was I was thinking blow up the organization fire very brave will start over you know that but it's man like you said it's the NFL dude I don't believe Miami the way they played last night now as they get better can beat Dallas on Christmas Eve Dallas may lose at Buffalo but I don't know about Miami with that they better they yeah you know I don't either but then again that's why you know Miami may come back and play great that's what I'm saying it's just it's it's crazy this NFL man it's 17 games now it's like everybody at the end of the day. You know, look at the Giants. I mean, you know, they got that guy. They took off the Sopranos playing quarterback. They won three in a row. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's nuts. Hey, listen, I got to get to the break. Come back. Got to get Ellis on on the other side. Good to hear from you, Cowboy. All right, 10.50. We'll take a break. We'll come back and wrap it up. Ellis, we'll get to you on the other side. We'll close out the show with you here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTVC. Since 2011, Billy's Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Never miss a moment of the action. Download the free Tide 100.9 app today. All right, 1054. We got a couple of minutes, and we're going to spend that time with uh, Ellis. Hey, good morning, Ellis. What's up, buddy? Morning there, Mr. Gary Harris. How are you this morning? Doing great. Uh, I seen a tweet that was sent out and it was sent, it was like a mass tweet where it was sent out to several people and it was sent out to me by the title tail. And right. it said that we, we needed to encourage Kerry Goog today. So, uh, well, let's do it. I'd just like to say that, uh, everybody, we need to encourage him today and, uh, help him out, you know. Uh, well, absolutely. Uh, our, you know, a lot of people's thoughts are awful with Kerry and his battle with with ALS. And uh, man, what a what a great football player he was at Alabama. And uh, even with that knee injury, was able to play in the NFL and a, a gentleman of the highest caliber. And you know, the battle that he's been in for the last several years. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Let's all lift up Kerry Good today and uh, yeah. uh, keep him in our thoughts. Yeah. And uh, one more thing, I know you ain't got too much time. Uh, I'm excited about the offensive line from what I've seen. Uh, Me too. The play against uh, Georgia. So are, is most of the offensive line coming back, or have we got some of them? Well, J.C. Latham is draft eligible at at, uh, at right tackle, and I expect him to go. Um, Roberts, the right guard, is back. Uh, Booker, the left guard, is back. Proctor, the left tackle, is back. Uh, Seth McLaughlin, um I don't know if he projects as an NFL guy. He's eligible to leave. He's graduated. Uh, he could come back for another year if he chose. So, yeah, most of the offensive line will be back. And, 
and they've got some really talented guys waiting to step in. So you should be excited about the offensive line and the way that they come on. And, and like I said, Latham could return uh, if he's chose to, but my expectation is that he'll probably be rated high enough to, uh, to go ahead and go into the draft. But they'll have three of those guys back at a minimum and possibly four. Sounds good. But thank All right, Ellis. Y'all have, have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah, thank you so much for calling in. That's going to close it out for the Gary Harris Show. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. And a reminder to catch me on TV tonight with your local sports on WVOA 23 and with Rodney Wurr for Tider Insider TV at 630 tonight on WVOA 23. Then back here tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. for the Wednesday edition of the Gary Harris Show. For Noah Haynes and Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening, everybody. The Miller's Edge is coming up next at 11 a.m. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Famed Elvis Tribute.